Hello, and thanks for checking in Calamo this week. You know, we're in a series on Wonder Women of the Bible, and we're celebrating the, the accomplishments of these special women and exploring what we can learn from them to improve our lives here and now. And you know, I'm really excited to share some insights with you on what we can learn. And today's message is, are you brave enough to grow? You know, do you see yourself as being brave, brave enough to grow? Uh, you know, growth involves change and change can be scary. Are you brave enough to stand for something that you believe in? For example, if something wrong is happening, do you stand up and say or do something? You know, or if someone you know is, is being wrong, do you stand up for them? You know, last week we talked about the Lions and some other sports fans. And, you know, I remember when I moved to Ohio that to cheer for the Wolverines or the Spartans in public was pretty scary. Or suppose that your political views are at one end of the spectrum and you're in a group of people with views at the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, it's scary, can be a scary thing. You know, so there's many, many situations where our bravery can be put to the test and growing is one of them. And so let's start out with a, our opening discussion questions this morning of, do you consider yourself brave? And then, however you answer that, what would help you to become braver, more brave? Well, like I said, we're in a series on Wonder Women of the Bible. You know, and we're looking at these exceptional women, because they are exceptional, and to recognize their special contributions and lessons for our lives. Now, each one of the three ladies that we've talked about so far, Deborah, Esther, and Mary Magdalene, has demonstrated a strength of character for us to learn from. And we've gained a unique insight from each one of them. Now today, our special guest is Lydia the Brave, a merchant of purple cloth. You know, it's funny, we don't even have a last name for her, but we'll call her Lydia the Brave. And we don't know a whole lot about her. There's only six verses in the Bible about her, yet her impact on the kingdom of God was incredible. Now her story starts with the Apostle Paul in his second journey to spread the good news of Jesus outside of Israel. Now we're going to show some maps for you here. You know, we believe that the Apostle Paul started his second trip someplace around uh, uh, 45 uh, AD. You know, and he left from that white triangle on the map, which is between Jerusalem and, and Syria in there. And he and his companion Silas traveled to, to visit churches that Paul had already established to strengthen them and, and give them support. Um, and their destination was Asia, but not the Asia we think of today, but the ancient Asia, which is uh, in the land of Turkey. So hear these words. These words come to us from Acts 15. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Come, let us return and visit the believers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And that was to return back to the churches in Asia. And Paul, but Paul ended up choosing Silas and set out and the believers commending him to the, to the grace of the Lord. And then he went to Syria and Cilicia in strengthening those churches. So like I said, the, the region that Paul traveled to is not what we think of Asia, you know, being, you know, the, the Korean, Vietnam, and, and, and up through that way. Um, but he actually traveled to an area that we call Turkey. Um, and that's the black circle on the map in front of you. 
So Paul saw his mission as reaching out to the Jews um, who, who, where he had started these churches before, but also these are the Jews that had fled out of Israel due to the persecution, right? And so they had kind of scattered and a lot of them had uh, gone to this land, this land that uh, they call Asia in the Bible. And, and so kind of like his strength, his powerhouse was to reach non-Jews in that area by working through the dislocated Jews. It was kind of like coming from a, a position of strength and reaching the people that he wanted to reach. Um, and so he ended up traveling to places like Tarsus, Lystra, Ephesus, and, and he wanted to go north. He wanted to go north to, in that area where there was other Jews, but God had other plans. So, so here are these words. These words are from Acts chapter 16. They went through the area of Phygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia, which is, was to the west, pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, he, we immediately tried to cross over, cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God was calling them to go that direction and not the direction they wanted to go. Now on the map in front of you, that's the, um, that's the, where'd it go, where'd it go? That's the red circle. So instead of going uh, in that black circle, God prevented them to go there and, and called for them to go to the other circle. And so, um, so Paul sailed from Troas, which was in what we think of as Turkey, over to Philippi, which is what we think of today as being in Greece. And that's the red circle on the map. Now, this might seem like a bunch of meaningless detail, a bunch of gobbledygook that happened years ago, but there are a couple of important insights that we gain from this. You know, Paul wanted to do ministry in Asia where he felt a little more comfortable. He felt like he had a little bit more of a support base. Um, but God wanted him to go into Europe, right? Where there were very few Jews to work with. Um, and so the, the map that's in front of you now, that, that white circle is basically Asia. That, that green, I don't know if you can read it or not, but that green blob in the lower right is Turkey, uh, which is what they call Asia in the Bible. But so he was basically, God wanted him to go that direction. Um, and so that's the area that extends to Germany, England, France, Spain, and, and those other countries, right? And coincidentally, that's where the bulk of the people in the United States originate from. And so we actually owe our Christian heritage to God directing Paul into Europe. Okay, so now let's check out, let's check out Lydia. And we hear about her in Acts 16 a little bit later. We remained in this city for some days and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. Okay, so Paul was very Jewish, and he would have been very, um, very strong about wanting to attend worship on Sabbath. Now, at that time, it took 10 Jewish men to establish what a, a synagogue, a, a formal church, if you will. And so the fact that Paul had been in uh, Philippi for several days and ended up just going by the river to find a place of prayer seems to indicate 
that there weren't as many as 10 men getting, 10 Jewish men getting together to establish a synagogue in the city. And it also tends to verify our understanding of Philippi. There is much more pagan than the cities in Asia where Paul had been more comfortable. Um, now, another little detail is the word used in the scripture for place of prayer is the same word used for synagogue. It, it's in Greek. And so it's kind of like the same thing. And so it's reasonable to think of this assembly of women as being some kind of church setting, perhaps informal. But anyway, when Paul came upon them, because he was a trained teacher of uh, religion, he would have been like a traveling pastor or a rabbi to them. And so our reading continues. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart and to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. Again, there's a whole lot we can gather from these few words. Now, Lydia is a Greek name, not a Jewish name. And so we believe that she was not a Jew, but she was, she was a Gentile or a non-Jew. But she had grown to believe in the one true God. And that's significant because in the pagan culture of Philippi, there were hundreds of gods. You know, there were gods of everything. Um, and so somehow God had already touched her heart. And so she believed in, in uh, the one true God, the God of the Jews. We also learned that she came from Thyatira, which was a city in Asia or what we think of now as Turkey. And so she was a foreigner in, in that land. And then the last detail we find is she dealt in purple cloth. Now, to me, that meant, you know, okay, fine, it's a color purple. Um, but it made a whole lot more meaning back in that day because the purple dye was a very, very expensive dye. And, and so any cloth that was purple would have been an extremely expensive and um, uh, symbolic cloth, if you will. But the area that Lydia came from in Asia or, or Turkey was renowned for producing that dye. Now, as a matter of fact, purple cloth was so expensive that at one point in the time of Caesar, it was illegal of anyone not of royalty to have a piece of purple clothing. Now that's expensive and special, right? So we see that because Lydia was a, a merchant in purple cloth, not just any cloth, uh, she's not some peasant woman, right? She was basically a heavy roller in high society, you know, hobnobbing with the elite people, with the rulers, um, those in power and influence. Now, we have no idea she had a husband. The Bible just says that she was head of her household. So in that society that was basically a man-controlled society, she was an exceptional woman of high status and wealth. We, we heard that she was already a worshiper of God, but when she listened to Paul's good news about Jesus, she was all in. She wanted to be baptized, and she influenced her entire household to be baptized and well. But what, another thing I found interesting was in spite of her position and her wealth, because she would have been an important person, she was also modest. Hear these words. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. She was basically saying, hey, if I'm good enough for you, stay in my house. Now just imagine that, because Paul and his companion were like traveling ministers. They were all vagabonds, but they were just kind of like wanderers, right? 
and they would have had absolutely no status in Philippi. And yet this powerful, wealthy woman expended, extended hospitality to them. But there's another aspect to this story. Now, Lydia would have been well-versed in the laws and the social behavior of the community. Now, Roman law forbade any religion other than Caesar. Now, they gave an exception to Jews, but not the Christians because they were like a cult. They followed somebody else. They were not, they were not like pure Jews. Um, and furthermore, Philippi was strongly anti-Jew. So Lydia was risking her life, her position, and her business by hosting Paul, by being baptized, and by having her entire household be converted. And you know, it's reasonable to expect that as bold and as brave as she was, that she probably talked about Jesus to some of the people that she was around. So some highlights about Lydia. An exceptional woman of position and wealth in a man's world, right? She demonstrated bravery by not only accepting Jesus in her life, but showing hospitality to Paul. And the other thing, the, the geography uh, lesson kind of lets us know that she opened the door to Europe for Jesus to grow in that direction by being the first Christian in Europe. And she opened her house, her physical house, to support the ministry of Jesus. So that brings us up to our next discussion questions. What about Lydia? Her story resonates with you. And then, would you be willing to invite Paul into your home? So, what can we learn from Lydia to help us today? I mean, Lydia's story is interesting, um, but it is a story about someone who responded after God touched her heart, right? She was not a down-and-out person. It wasn't like she was grasping at straws. She wasn't in need of physical rescue. She was wealthy. She had position. She was a member of the upper levels of society. Yet she saw something in the good news of Jesus that transformed her, something that energized her to reach out to others, to expend, extend hospitality to others. And so that kind of forces us to think about how are we responding to God's touch? Do, do we feel compelled to extend our hospitality or resources to share the good news of Jesus to those around us? So the story of Lydia is about the Apostle Paul reaching out and sharing the good news of Jesus, which lit a fire in Lydia, who began to share the good news in Philippi and then places beyond in, in, in Europe. You know, last week we talked about sports fans, you know, like Lions fans or, or Buckeye fans or whatever. You know, being loud and, and enthusiastic and sometimes annoying. Um, but you know, I admit, I, I have a problem. When I watch sports, regardless who's playing, whether I'm for them or not, I'm usually quiet, right? I like to watch, I, I, I like to watch the, how the game unfolds, but but you know, I'm I'm a yeah right on or or a yes. That's just about excited as I get. Well, my problem is I'm also the same way when I talk about Jesus, right? I'm not very loud or excited, at least not on the surface. Underneath is a different matter. You know, I need to work on being louder. How about you? What are your fears? You know. We're not in a police state like Russia. Well, we're not like a place like Philippi, you know, where, where, or where Putin's secret police will throw us in jail for cheering on Jesus. 
You know, the worst thing that we face today is some a weird look from someone or perhaps just rejection, right? So what are your fears for being a loud and excited fan of Jesus? For that matter, what are my fears for being a loud and excited fan for Jesus? You know, that is one value of the church, that is the assembly of the people of God. When we come together, we can build each other up. You know, we can help each other with our fears and our reservations. We can be cheerleaders for the kingdom of God. Okay, but what if you're not so sure about Jesus? I mean, you know, maybe you're still searching. Maybe you're, you're, you're looking for answers, for meaning. You know, I think the place to start is to look at the message that we get from Jesus. Love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay, so from that command or that message we get from Jesus, we learn to be respectful of others, right? We don't have to agree with others, but we can listen and we can share thoughts. You know, we can reach out a hand when a neighbor is struggling in whatever way. And then there's the question of who is our neighbor? Jesus teaches us that everyone is our neighbor. You know, he, he tells that story in the, in the uh, uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. And as we look at that, love our neighbor as ourselves, that also implies that we love ourselves. Now, not in a narcissistic way where we're obsessed with ourselves, but to take care of ourselves in body and spirit so that we're healthy and productive able to help those around us. And then Jesus tells us to love God, right? Jesus, reach out, Jesus reaches out to us to have that intimate relationship with him. You know, he demonstrated a radical love for us by coming to earth to be with us, by going to the cross for our salvation. And then he is with us in our every moment, even yet today, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Companion. He desires a mutually loving relationship with each one of us where we talk with him constantly. We share our good times and our bad. So if you're still searching, if, if you're not sure about this Jesus thing, does this message resonate with you? Well, is it something that will not only build you up, but make this a better world? Even if you're not sure that this is the ultimate answer, maybe it's a step in the right direction. So that brings us up to our closing discussion questions for today. How does the story of Lydia help you in your love for Jesus? And then, how does her bravery help you to grow? And that brings us up to our prayer challenge. Take that five minutes each day. It's good for the soul to just push away the chaos of the world. But think about Lydia and her purple cloth business and her inner bravery. And then consider how she risked everything to share the good news of Jesus. How can her example help you to share the good news? But whatever you do, talk with God often and ask him to give you confidence in the good news and the bravery to share that good news with others. I hope that you found this message to be helpful. If you think Lydia the Brave is awesome, 
put a shout out in the comments for this video. If you'd like more information or you have questions about this Jesus and his message of good news, please reach out. I'd love to talk with you. You can put a uh, comment in the chat box or you can call or text me at 517-588-8415 or you can always use the online Calmo connection card at calmochurch.org forward slash connect dash with dash Calmo. Let us know what you think. Let us reach out to you and, and be a blessing for you. And now, if you would please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Lydia the Brave, for her example for us. And Lord, we thank you for all of your love for us. And so we pray that you reveal the awesome power of the Holy Companion in our lives and in our hearts, that you transform these words so that we hear that message that we need to hear straight from you. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I'm your neighbor, Jerry, pastor at Calmo Church. Have a great day. Have a great week. And bye for now.